Thank you, Pastor. Last week began this uh, series with what is a disciple. Uh, I believe that uh, one of the reasons why I started out with what is a disciple is uh, what was the purpose. Does everybody get a handout as far as, no, you get, no, okay. Um, if you, what's the purpose as far as learning the Bible? What's the purpose or reason why we should learn different doctrines of the Bible? And it's a matter of if we're born again, uh, I believe that most of us should, not everybody does, grow to the point of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. We studied that. And then uh, coming into, after learning what is a disciple of Jesus Christ and the importance of it, I believe in learning the doctrines of the Bible, the very first one that is, I believe, the most critical. It is one that you could never reach the depths of as far as studying, and that is the Word of God. Uh, everything is based, everything we believe, and we'll get into it here in a little bit, and I, I split up this lesson into two Sundays. And like I mentioned before, when we're doing the basics of Bible doctrine, we're just doing the very basics. Uh, a lot of my, uh, the foundation or platform that I'm, I'm using uh, to develop these lessons is from a series of discipleship books, a 20, a 20 bo uh, booklet series of discipleship that was written uh, by a number of the pastors years ago, 20, 20, 25 years ago maybe now, up at First Bible Baptist Church in Rochester, New York. And uh, I'm using that and some of the material there uh, to kind of develop it. And, of course, their very first lesson is uh, the, the Word of God. And I've always believed that the Word of God is the most crucial part because everything springs from that. I mean, we'll get into maybe next week, but you have in Luke where the rich man dies. He realizes the condition he's in. He's horrified. He's wanting Abraham to send Lazarus back to warn his brothers so they don't come to hell where he's in torment. And, and Abraham says, if they won't listen to the prophets, to, to, to Moses and the prophets, he's referring to, if they're not going to pay attention to the word of God that they have already, written scripture already, they're not going to listen to somebody that comes back from the dead. And it was one of the most profound statements in history because that's exactly what happened when Jesus Christ died and rose again and they still didn't hear him. He's the one that died and came back from the dead and they still rejected him. And if they're not going to listen to the word of God and everything springs board, springs boards off in our life as far as our relationship with our father in heaven, as far as every, our salvation, eternal security, every, you name it. It springs boards off of or from the written word of God, and that's how crucial it is. But uh, in your notes, and, and I'll try to keep as close to them as I possibly can, uh, it says, as a born-again child of God, in, in a lot of what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to stick to my notes that I've written for time's sake so we don't run out of time. So you'll, you'll get a lot of... Uh, me reading, I got rid of that other watch that I was constantly messing with last week. Um, but I got this one here. But um, 
As a born-again child of God, you must grow spiritually to the point that your attitude, belief about, and knowledge of God's written word is crucial as to whether you will have a very shallow or a very strong relationship with your Heavenly Father. As a general rule, it often mirrors the same type of relationship we have or had with our earthly fathers. Now, what I mean by that is that uh, in everybody's family dynamics are different. I mean, I've heard horror stories as far as how their fathers are. I'm not referring to that. I'm talking about generally in a perfect world um, or in a world where a father really loves his children, the relationship is one that how do we want our children to respond to us? The first time we say something, they respond. And generally when that happens, our relationship is a lot sweeter, a lot closer. When, it, when I know in my relationship with my dad, when he said something, if I responded to it, and he got to the point where I wanted to please him. So it, it was based on what he was saying, and it's the same thing with the Heavenly Father. When, when you study out as far as the uh, discipline that God dishes out or gives to his children, uh, the, the first step is he wants to use his word. We read his word, we study his word, we learn his word, we hear it preached, we hear it taught, and um, we respond to it, and there's something we need to correct, and we'll, we'll see that later on, probably next week, as far as in, uh, in, in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 15, 16, 17. But when we respond to it, it changes us, and that's the best way God likes to discipline that's the easiest way. When it has to go beyond that to get our attention, it's, it's, it's very difficult. It's very problematic. It's very painful many times. But listening. And, and a lot of times when I didn't listen to my dad and obey him the first time, I really regretted it. Uh, my dad used to be a barber back before he went to seminary. So in the late 40s and early 50s, he... He uh, worked in a barber shop, and for some reason, the one I, he let, he kept a lot of his barbering equipment. That's where we all got our haircuts. But um, the one equipment he made sure that he kept was a razor strap, and that was used on me a lot. And I was I was the firstborn son after five girls. I was the golden child. I was probably the most spoiled, the most rotten, the most much of a brat. But I'm convinced I probably got more spankings than all my siblings combined. All right, and, and, and it's like it would have been a whole lot easier if I had just listened and obeyed to what he said the first time. Um, of all the lessons we will study, I believe this is the lesson is the most important one to learn and understand. Today, all else flows from the written word of God. I'm talking about in today's, uh, today, how God is dealing with mankind. I'm not talking about back in the Old Testament. We'll look at that here momentarily. Consider for a moment what the role of written scripture in the life of Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry. Numerous times throughout the Gospels, Jesus used and adhered to written holy scriptures. These scriptures were the Lord Jesus Christ's authority. In the books of Matthew and Luke, the beginning of the fourth chapter, Satan tempts Jesus to sin in three areas of life that we are all continually tempted and too often fail. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Each time... Jesus responds to Satan with, as it is written. So you don't have this great theologian. You don't have God manifest in the flesh. 
You don't have the Son of God. You don't have the person who spoke everything in, in Genesis chapter 1 into existence that we see before us now, that's standing before Satan saying, whoa, 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 hey, I'm God man of flesh in the flesh, and this is just not, no. Jesus Christ is showing and proving to us how crucial it is that if we're going to be successful in our Christian life in dealing with Satan in temptation, we need to be in the Word of God, know the Word of God, and Jesus Christ says, as it is written three times to rebuke Satan. What separates true biblical Christianity from any religion in the world is its claim to an absolute written authority directly from God. Having the written word of God is essential to a Christian's growth in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, just forgive me, this is like, like I told you last week, last week my first time I'm using an iPad, so I'm kind of following in the footsteps of our pastor. So it's just kind of new to me. Uh, the knowledge of the Lord Jesus God, God's expectations and standards by which a Christian is to govern his life in every detail are found in the pages of the Word of God. The purpose of this lesson is to acquaint us with the basics, the basics of the Bible and how it relates to our everyday life so we can begin to understand how its principles are to guide every facet of our walk with Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, come before you now in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this time that pastor has uh, allowed me to come here and, and to teach and uh, to, to lay out some things that um, you show me in my life. And dear Lord, that I pray that I would faithfully live in my life as well. Lord, thank you for those folks that have come here. Lord, for the folks that are on vacation, I pray to be with uh, my sister Debbie and Dave as uh, they're down in, uh, I think it's North Carolina, there at the beach. Be with them that was there on their vacation. Give them Traveling Mercy's home. Pray with the other folks that are on vacation here to Williamsburg. Williamsburg. And uh, Lord, I just pray you give us Traveling Mercies. May we stay alert. Thank you for this time here. Be with Pastor later as he preaches. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Introduction to the Bible. Uh, here, here's where we come start uh, filling in some blanks. Has everybody got a pen? <clears throat> I don't have any available, so. Uh, Josh might be able to get you one if you need one. It is, it is universally accepted that there are two fundamental sources of human knowledge, reason and experience. Reason and experience. Both are essential to understanding the world around us. Yet, reason and experience do not answer the most profound and important questions of life. Where did I come from? What is the purpose of my existence? Where am I going, if anywhere, after death? There is a third source of knowledge called revelation. Revelation. This revelation is found primarily in the Word of God, commonly called the Bible. The Bible teaches us that God has revealed himself in his commandments in the Holy Scriptures. In these scriptures, we have direct access to the infinite and personal being who created all things for his pleasure who is not limited like his finite creation. He is God, who is omnipotent, means all-powerful, all-powerful. He is omniscient, which is all-knowing. He is omnipresent, all-present. If we would just grasp that fact, 
how often would it keep us straight when we're tempted? Immutable, not capable of or susceptible to change. He does not change. The Bible describes two forms of revelation, usually called general and special. General and special. God's special, uh, or God's general revelation, according to Psalms 19, 1 through 6, and a lot of these, I've already got the scriptures here. I'll read them, to, uh, read them for you. You can try to look them up. You can try to keep uh, uh, on pace. But uh, like I said, you, know, you can be a Berean and verify later when you go through the scriptures to verify what I'm saying is actually in the Bible. Uh, Psalms 19, Psalms 19, 1 through 6. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Now to understand what, he sa- what, what, what uh, God is saying here is that during, through his general revelation, his creation, it's speaking to everyone. And it doesn't matter what nationality, it doesn't matter what language you speak, no matter where you're at on the planet, all right, you can learn, you can know. It's the same language as far as that understanding that God will reveal to you. Their line is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices of the strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit under the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. In Romans one uh, twenty, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Over the years, I'm sure many of you have heard this or asked, been asked this question or whatever. You know, what about, just, what about the people that just never have heard the name of Jesus Christ? you know, in some of these other regions of the world. And, and, and you've probably heard me say this as, as long as I've been here now for, I guess, the last, what, maybe three years, uh, March of 2018 is when we came. But I, I made this statement, and I'm convinced that every person that God cast into the lake of fire, when he judges them, they're without excuse because I'm convinced it is the Holy Spirit of God himself that at one point in their life convicted them of whatever, whenever, of something. And that they made a choice of whether to ignore something that God was dealing with them with or whatever. Because the Bible says they're without excuse. There's no, and, and here, just right here in Scripture, the creation, if they want to know, it's like, is there, a God, is there something out there? And, and there's been testimony after testimony where, it, and I don't remember, I mean, I don't, I don't have a book here to, to remember. I read this book here about this testimony here. But I remember hearing over the years that there was this um, gentleman in Africa that had started searching and in, in wanting to know more and wanting to know about God. Um, and started searching in the, in the Lord. He 
directed him to someone that presented the gospel plan to him. Uh, he got saved and etc. Um, I already covered that. Number two, God's special revelation, number two there, involves a more direct communication with man. Now the general dealing with is just his creation, just that proves that there is a God that created it. Special revelation involves a more direct communication with man, including dreams, visions, angels, the person of Christ himself, in the Bible, God's written revelation. The Bible presents God's plan of redemption for mankind. All have sinned, all must be redeemed. Uh, I'll make sure that I'm trying to make sure nobody comes up to me and say, I missed this point here. Um, all right, we're on target. God's written revelation. D. God chose to reveal himself in a progressive way. When I'm talking about progressive, I'm not talking about in politics where we're talking about liberalism versus conservatism or whatever. Progressive, in, in other words, that it was gradually unfolded through time. As you see it from uh, Genesis on, the, the more it, it got into written scripture later on. Uh, Adam and Eve didn't have written scripture they could read, all right, but how things were progressed. Himself, uh, God chose to reveal himself in a progressive way. As time passed, more and more was revealed and recorded about God, his will, and his ways. At the completion of the New Testament, God's written revelation was complete. Now, I don't know if anybody has done this before, but you know, I've, I've tried to read uh, some portions of the Book of Mormon. In, in other religious books, and there's just something that does not connect as far as a spirit within me, the spirit of God, that just, that there's something there when it's like when I'm reading the word of God and there's a bond there, there's an understanding, there's a, there's an insight. And this other is just, it's just another book by a human author. <clears throat> Scriptures are unique in several ways. It is unique in its production, how God produced it. The Bible is a book which is composed of 66 books written by more than 40 Jewish. Now, for me personally, I believe it's transcribers, not authors. Some people say by 40 authors over a 1,600-year period. I believe there's one author to the Word of God. And that's the Holy Spirit of God. God authored the book, and he used mankind to transcribe what he was saying. But over in, in, and I say Jewish because later on in, in the, the, the oracles of God were committed under the Jews. The Jewish transcribers over a period of more than 1,600 years. It is totally accurate in its recording of history and prophecy, fitting together as though one man wrote it without contradiction. It is unique in its preservation. Preservation. God not only inspired the scriptures, but he promised to preserve them. 
He promised to keep them so that the last person that's born that learns to read before they stand before God will have had an accurate, or could have had, if they had wanted one or could have had access to one, an accurate copy of the Word of God. It wasn't that, well, it was lost years ago with the original manuscripts that no longer exist today, which they don't. The original writing that Moses wrote on, it does not exist. God promised to preserve what he gave to mankind through the ages. Number C, or letter C, it is unique in its proclamations. Proclamations. Over 25% of the Bible was prophetic in nature when it was written. It touches the subjects of heaven and hell, eternal salvation, damnation, eternity past and eternity future. Yet it cuts to the heart of all the major issues of life. We'll get into it later, but I think you have a reference there, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And then lastly here, it is unique in its product. It's unique in its product. No other book has so profoundly influenced the course of history in the lives of men. The word of God is quick, meaning alive, and powerful. There in uh, 1 Peter 1, 22-23, it says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which abideth, which liveth and abideth forever. And a footnote to that is that I don't believe there's any other book in the history of mankind that has been hated so much by the world. By the world. Now, I believe this to be true from the standpoint that my Forgive me if I start crying. <clears throat> that my father-in-law told me this. He was uh, a Gideon, very much involved in Gideons, giving out Bibles. And he made the statement to me one time that the Gideons were allowed to go to Catholic schools and hand out Bibles. But the only translation that the Catholic Church would not let the Gideons hand out at their schools was the King James translation. Just a footnote. Just a thought. So isn't that interesting? But um, no other book in history has been hated like the Bible has. Uh, I've, I've heard now that up in Canada they're trying to get it passed that it is hate literature. Well, by the world's standards, yeah, I guess it is hate literature. By God's standards, um, there's a lot of things that are hateful in it because God hates sin. God hates pride. The world is consumed with pride and lifting oneself up with pride. And you deserve this. And look who you are. Look who we are. Look what we've accomplished. We've gone to the moon. We've gotten to the point where we can, the only thing we can't replace in a human body is the brain. We've replaced the heart, we've replaced everything else. Look what man's accomplished. So man is very lifted up with pride, but God hates pride. Um, it's also a book of love where it tells us 
who God is and that he loves us and what we, knew, what we need to do uh, to, to gain his favor. The inspiration of the Bible. The author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. The Bible is the source book of our knowledge of God. Of our knowledge of God. It is the textbook of divine truth and the guidebook to everlasting life. The word Bible is derived from the Greek word biblos, meaning a book. A book. The Bible is a library of 66 books divided into two main sections, the Old Testament containing 39 books and the New Testament containing 27 books. All scripture is given by inspiration, 2 Timothy 3.16. What does it mean by inspiration? The apostle Peter said, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 2 Peter there, uh, chapter 1, verse 21. The Holy Ghost was miraculously present, preserving the accuracy of the transcription of God's word in a man's mouth to what we call the original manuscripts. God moved men to say inspiration and record preservation, the very words he chose. We accept the scriptures as the infallible, capable of error, word of God completely inspired, undoubtedly preserved. You can reference those uh, uh, verses there. If there's one thing that I would ask of you this week during your Bible reading is to read Jeremiah chapter 36. The, um, it is one of the greatest illustrations in the Bible of how written scripture, how God created or how God gave us written scripture that God is speaking in saying, okay, convey this. And it was conveyed. And Baruch wrote it down. And the impact that it had when people heard, when they read it. Written scripture is very crucial in our life. See, I want to read a portion out of, a, out of this book here to, to close with that I'm reading I don't know if you've ever heard of this uh, gentleman. His name is Mark G. Trotter. Uh, he was a pastor for many years. He's written uh, four or five books. And I just got this one here a couple weeks ago. He passed away five months ago of cancer. And uh, this, this book here is, is amazing. Things Above. Cultivating a Passionate Pursuit of God. Been very convicting. It 
there's a section here that goes along with what I'm, what I'm trying to convey as far as the Word of God, the written Word of God, and how crucial it is in our life. God, repeat, God repeatedly talks about His name. The name of God is a word that is used in reference to who He actually is. It is the term God uses to refer to the completeness of his person. The sum total of all of his holy character and all of his glorious attributes, the concept is unbelievably powerful. And God has some very significant things to say about his name. Nehemiah 9.5 says, Blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all, blessing and praise in other words anything you can find that is worthy of applause a cheer or a standing ovation god's name dwarfs it philippians 2 9 through 11 says of christ wherefore god also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of jesus every knee should bow and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah for the name of Jesus. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So check it out. His name is exalted above all blessing and praise. His name is above every other name. His name is the only one under heaven that has the power to save. I mean, what more could you say about the name of God than that? That's what makes these next verses of Psalms 138, 1 and 2 so unbelievably powerful and far-reaching. David says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship before thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. So we just heard about what God had to say about his name and how powerful and how important it is. And he goes on to say, his word is magnified above that. So what? God magnified his word above his own name? How can these things be? Now this book is written, uh, the, the foundational passage that he uses is Colossians 1, or Colossians chapter 3. And just dropping down to here. In terms of Colossians 3, 1 and 2, God is saying to us, now that you're saved, I want you to spend the rest of your life seeking my word. And I want you to daily get your affection upon it. Because I want you to be passionate about knowing me. How we know God and how we can have a close relationship with God and how we can understand God is through the word of God. And that's why I said at the beginning it is, it is the most crucial thing that we can grasp our attitude towards it 
how we love it, how we believe it, will determine how close, how strong, how powerful, whether we'll be fit, a fit vessel for God to use. Um, next week we'll continue with uh, uh, part two, which gets more in. Uh, we ended here with the inspiration. Next week we'll begin with the preservation how God preserved in, in, in other things as far as how the Word of God is used in the most crucial point in our life as far as the salvation of our soul. Um, but um, anyone, something I've always kind of been nice that we can do here at Sunday School because other churches I've been in, you always had this kind of you know back and forth. Anybody have any thoughts Brother, do you have any thoughts? Yes, sir. We were talking about that uh, general and special revelation where, you know, the special was where God showed up to people in visions, in dreams, in person. All right, in here when uh, Solomon had finished building the temple and they were doing the sacrifices in, um, I was reading where God showed up to Solomon and spoke to him saying, if. And God doesn't do that today. It's not that God doesn't have the ability. Um, it's just a matter of, I don't believe, and it's not that God wouldn't or doesn't today, but I'm convinced he won't if a person doesn't already have the right attitude and understanding conviction of his written word that he's already provided. You know, I, I don't think that, God is going to sh show up to some of these heretics in the pulpits, if we can call them pulpits, um, platforms that are that are leading people to hell, and show up to them and give them revelation of no. It's there's a lot of spirits out there that are not the Holy Spirit of God that are leading a lot of people. Anyone else? And God will never do anything, say anything, or whatever, lead or move us, anything that is contrary to his book, ever. Well, God gave me a special revelation that we need to get. It's not even line up with the word of God. We have to take the whole counsel of God, and it all has to fit. Now, yes, you know, and we can get into maybe another lesson. It's not in this discipleship series, but a great lesson is how to study the Bible or how to break it down. And clearly that the Bible is written to um, three specific groups of people. And the whole Bible is, the entire Bible is not written to us specifically as Christians, but the whole Bible is written for us as, as Christians. In other words, there's things in the Old Testament we don't follow today because where we're at, that God is, how God is dealing with us today. But... Uh, you know, Second Timothy three sixteen. Um, uh, 
all scripture is uh, is profitable for, all scripture is profitable for, all scripture is for us. That doesn't mean that necessarily all scripture is specifically to us. Um, There's a difference, yes sir. Oh, no. If one person wrote it. And I think, uh, you know, as these guys were writing, even the scribes or, uh, you know, even in the New Testament, I think they were sitting there uh, meditating and thinking with God. And as he led them, right. they wrote what right. they wanted them to write. And, I, you know, sometimes I think we uh, give even the New Testament writers maybe more credit than they deserve. And it was, you know, they were just writing what they saw from their I, I, I totally agree. Because um, if God's going to hold us accountable to His Word, and, and I believe that everyone's going to be judged out of the Bible at one point, whether you're lost or you're saved, when we stand before Jesus Christ as born again Christians <coughs> at the judgment seat of Christ, I believe He's going to use that book. Every human being can be judged out of the book, no matter where, where they're at and what state they're at. At what level? And I believe God is just a just God, and there's it's going to be at whatever level they were at, or whatever revelation that they had, or whatever. He, he's just, but um, it, it is. I totally agree that there's one author. It's God, and He used men as far as put it down on ink and pen. It's like how it's done today. It's like, hey, I need to get a letter off to somebody. Go ahead and. Now I can assure you the letters I get in the email from the superintendent of state police, he's not the one that wrote it, all right? It came from the executive secretary that he dictated it to. But uh, you better follow it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's got his name on it. That's great, let's uh, finish up here. Dear Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for this pastor. Thank you for the vision. And um, Lord, may we have a heart for you and to know you passionately and to love you uh, beyond anything else in this world, including our own lives. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen.